When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Brandon. Hello, Matt. The Chicago Wolves are a wagon. Yes. That's the intro. Low, low effort this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That is Matt. Uh, Alex is out with COVID this week. He is in the protocol. He is not cleared yet. Um, he is feeling a lot better today. He sends his regards, but with his voice being where it is, he decided to spare you guys um, heavily breathing and croaky talking into the microphone. So we are here to talk about a few things. Um... I don't know how much time we're going to spend on the Hurricanes right now, honestly, because eh, they just sucked the last couple of games. Well, they didn't suck against Minnesota. They just got goalied. And then the Buffalo game was just bad. And I don't think we have anything new to tell you about them playing down to teams. Like, it's very annoying. We know you're frustrated. I was pretty frustrated watching it. I'm sure everybody was. Um, But sometimes it do be like that. The Sabres have been playing halfway decent hockey lately, too. That probably needs to be thrown in there. I think they're 10-4-3 in their last 17 now. Something like that. Uh, they got some decent young players. And, I mean, that's just the way it goes when you're on top. Like, these young teams, and they're going to – you're going to have a target on your back. Like, they're going to want to prove themselves against the top team. And the Sabres came out, and they wanted it more. I mean, it was really as simple as that. Um, we saw some post-game interviews where the Hurricanes were pretty disappointed in themselves and just you could tell the – actually, the word unacceptable, I think it was Niederreiter was the one that used it repeated, repeatedly. It was, it was an unacceptable effort. Like, we can't – we got to be better than that. And we'll probably – we'll talk about this more in a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think there is something to be said for at this juncture of the season, you don't want to be having as many games like that as the Hurricanes kind of still seem to. But – Ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think this game is going to matter that much. Um, but we also have some really fun stuff to talk about when it comes to Chicago. Uh, Noel Gundler and Vasily Panamarev made their AHL debuts today. North American debuts, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, Gundler, it was North American debut. With Panamarev, he played in the queue. Right, right. He played in the queue. I forgot about that. Okay, so yes, Gundler's uh, North American debut. Um <laughs> which is funny because for a second there, I was kind of like thinking it was the other way around. I was like, wait, has Gunnar played over here at all? And I was like, no, he yeah. hasn't. Panamarev is the one that actually has. You're right. I almost forgot about his QMJHL stint um, for the Shawinigan Cataracts. Um, but they were very, very good. Uh, we'll definitely talk about that a little bit more. And we're going to look ahead to some playoff hockey. Um, I think we're going to just talk a little bit about 
the potential first round matchups for the Carolina Hurricanes, who they want to see, who they do not, and how they potentially match up against some of those teams. So, you know, I, I kind of gave like a long winded introduction to those, you know, games from this past week. But as we always do, we'll probably start right there with the games. Um, Matt. Do you have anything you want to talk about with these games we have seen from the last few days from the Hurricanes? I mean, I thought the Montreal effort was really good. Uh, I think that's the first game that was played since we last recorded. Yeah, we did not talk about that one yet. I think that was the night we put the podcast out and they played Montreal. Right, was, and then... We, we, I was just saying the Hurricanes do tend to t- play down to teams. And I think that was one time where they really didn't at all. That was The Hurricanes played their game and were very, very good throughout that game. Third period was a bit of a letdown because penalties, which again are a huge issue, but they at that point your penalty kills that good and it's a bad team. Right. My issue for the most part has been the fact that the Canes have now that they've played down to the Sabres, but in all honesty, my issue is with people freaking out about it. Because if I'm the Canes. I'm looking at the past, you know, six games. I'm taking away the fact that you're three, two, and one, and two of your three wins were dominant wins on the road against two very good playoff teams. Two of your losses, or one of your losses, was on the second half of a back-to-back and that was your overtime loss right i'm okay with losing against minnesota at least we played well and you know since they're in the western conference i think you know those are just kind of free points for whoever wins you know and the hurricanes were the better team they were the better team in that game yeah and that's an effort you can be proud of and with with the sabers game like yeah the effort sucked but it's against a team that's not chasing us and so it's not like it really hurts the team. Right. So I'm less doom and gloom about it. I do think we need to start giving Freddie Anderson a little bit more rest. Like you want to keep him active and you want him to play games, but Ronta's good. Wearing down a little bit and you need need him fresh in the playoffs. Yeah. Cause I was going to say Ronta's good, but there's a clear gap in talent between the two. That I think needs to be, you need to be concerned about that, I guess. Well, the point will be moved from the playoffs anyway, because you're going to call up Kachikov, obviously. (laughs) Somebody brought this up today. Do you think he gets a game at the end of the year when the points don't matter and you're just trying to rest your guys? I would love that, but I doubt it. Because I I think they'll use those games to keep Freddie and Ranta in a pretty, in, in a flow, you know? Um, well, I, yeah, I I'm know. saying I'd like the last exactly. game of the season before maybe, the playoffs. Maybe, maybe the very last game of the season, we'll see. The Rangers aren't going anywhere right now. You know, the Hurricanes don't have a ton of breathing room all of a sudden, so they they need to keep banking wins for now. If they can get back to a six seven point lead, well, especially that late in the year. But if if they have a lead with like a game to play, you know, if say it's two points and they have the tiebreaker or something. At that point, sure. But right now, the Rangers are only two points behind them. They have a game in hand and on them still, but it's it's a close race. Yeah, and I mean, if the Rangers get first place, it's honestly kind of better because uh, that would likely mean that 
they would have to play Tampa in the first round, given the current standings, because Tampa is in the uh, wild first card wild card spot. spot. Right. Yeah, so and I do think that's kind of funny. If the Hurricanes finish second, they'll likely get Pittsburgh. If they finish first, they're going to end up playing the two-time Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's not the end of the world to start calling guys up and resting guys for the playoffs and see if you can mosey your way into that two spot after all. Yeah, <laughs> they won't I don't know. That, I think, but I think the the good thing about this this I guess time we're in right now is our magic number to make the playoffs is two. That's gonna happen, like barring some like act of God, right. So I think if the Canes can just continue to get rested, they they don't want to take their foot off the gas. So I actually think that for the most part, you're going to leave those guys in until yeah. it's maybe the last couple of games where you're just trying to not get anybody hurt. Right. Yeah, and, and honestly, I don't think the Hurricanes care what, what seed they get. I don't really think they care if they win the division. I think – they don't care who they play is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they have one goal in mind and it's the cup. Right. They're going to have to go through pretty much everybody. <laughs> like, so if it's Tampa Bay in the first round, fine. They'll be at their, the hurricanes will be at their freshest and healthiest. Hopefully. Um, Kokaniemi's back on the ice now. So hopefully he's going to be back and <sighs> the hurricanes need Ethan back, bear back bad, man. Brendan Smith has not been good lately. And I, I have commended him recently because I think he's given them some really good minutes at times over the course of the year, but, his pendulum has swung down quite badly again, in my opinion. Um, I, and I just don't like the pairing of him and Cole because neither of those guys can move the puck a lick. <laughs> and they just, when they get it on the breakout in the D zone, there's just, there's no crispness in the breakout passes. And they, they've got moved, like plays are there to be made that Ethan Bear makes. And they don't get made. The Hurricanes don't transition up the ice smoothly with possession, stuff like that. It, those little things go a long way and it's why last night during the Buffalo game I was even in the first period I was just like the Hurricanes need a better effort than this you know they they dominated stretches of that first period but the passing was not crisp like they'd be breaking into the zone and they'd hit somebody on the on the wing and and having to take two strides and reach to collect a puck that split second that it takes them to collect it makes all the difference in the world because if they catch it right away, they can make another pass right away before the defense has reacted. By then, the defense has reacted when they don't collect it cleanly, and there's there's just nothing there. They get suck, suffocated, closed off, and next thing you know, the Hurricanes are turning the puck over. And, and how many shots did they take right into shin pads, too? And it's not like it was just, oh, the, guy, the Buffalo player just got over and made a great play. It's like Jeff Skinner, who's never played defense in his life, was just standing <laughs> there, and they shot him to him anyway. I don't know. There was just a lot of brain farts last night and that goes back to the theory i've had for a while now that the hurricanes are just kind of bored <laughs> like mm. the engagement level is just it, it wavers it's not i'm not saying it's not ever there because it definitely is we just saw them play some really good games but it's hard to get up every single night when you're a high-end team i guess and i think what happens is the hurricanes have a few players who right now are giving minimal effort. Yeah. I'm looking directly at Martin Natchez, <laughs> which has been an issue for his whole career. 
he had two different passes through the middle last night that he could have he could have like Buffalo passes, yeah, that he could have intercepted, and he just didn't. And it's they were within his range. They were right. He was he was in the middle of the ice in decent position. Yeah. And the guy tried to force a pass through the middle, and he just stood there and watched it go by him. And I'm like it's looking at it. I'm like he literally could have just stuck his stick out and deflected, blocked that pass, taken it the other way, and he literally just chose not to. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's really frustrating because he has the all the talent in the world. It's just. For whatever reason, he just doesn't – that switch isn't always on for him. In fact, it rarely is on. Yeah, and that's something I mentioned recently. It's just his mo- his motor runs very hot and cold. Like, when he has a bug up his ass and he wants to be the best player on the ice, he can be. Mm-hmm. But then it just seems like there's games where he's just – engagement level is zero and the compete level is not there. And that actually, I remember exactly when we had this conversation. It was when we were talking about Jarvis or Natchez. Remember which one of those two? Being? Yes, last week. Right. And that's Jarvis is like not like that. You know, Jarvis is always given 100% and he's competing. He's going to the corners hard. He's trying to make plays. I, I think it might be time to, well, I think they did break up that top line in the third period last game. I, I, I turned the game off at that point. I'm down to the beach visiting my dad. Um, <laughs> and I saw that they put Martinuk up there, which let's not even do that again. But, uh, as far as getting into that conversation, I mean. Anyway. Yeah, getting Kokaniemi back will be a big deal for the Hurricanes. Right, right. That's that's the biggest thing. That's that's kind of where I was going to go with this. It's like right now, it just seems like the flow is not there. And, and it's crazy, but Kokaniemi coming back changes that so much. And then you have like such a tone-setting line, actually two of them in your bottom six. Because depending on where Domi's at, or even if Domi's not playing, and Stepan needs to come back in, by the way. I've seen a lot of discourse about this today, and I totally agree. But you've got two lines that seem to hem in the opponents every single shift they're out there, and hopefully that sets the tone for your top guys. Lately it hasn't been, but I don't know, man. I, I'm thinking it might be time to try SAT again. I know they struggled a little bit there for a little while, but that's still your line with the highest ceiling. Like oh, when those sure. three guys are going – there's very, very few teams in the league that can slow them down even a little bit. Um, shit, there was one other thing I wanted to add to that, but whatever. I can't remember. I think having um, Kokaniemi back will mean Stepan's in the lineup consistently because you saw when Kokaniemi was in the lineup that Domi, Stepan, Kokaniemi line was – arguably one of the Canes best lines at setting the tone. Yeah. Excellent chemistry and just very, very good together. Yeah. So here's the thing. And I mean, you guys know where I stand on Martin Oak. I think he's a fine fourth line player. Right. And when he's in the lineup, it's not the end of the world. It's the problem is if he's in the lineup and the Canes are playing bad, or poorly, then he's more likely to be the guy inserted into the top six, which is then the team's already playing bad and Kane's Twitter hates it. And now you've got Martinuk in the top six and everyone's like, well, this sucks. This is the end of the world. The Canes are trying to lose. I don't think the Canes are trying to lose. I think what Brendan Moore's doing in that situation is he's trying to bring a spark to the top guys because they're very clearly not doing it. Yeah. 
and I was I didn't watch last night's game. I was uh, working on a scouting report, but sometimes when that top line's not doing anything, they need some energy, and Rod believes that Martinuk could be that guy. Right. And I think Kokaniemi would be great in that role, but he's not a winger. Yeah. So right. that's my take on it. That was the other thing I actually wanted to – I was going to add a second ago, and I couldn't remember what it was. I haven't loved Tara Vinen lately, like at all. He's, he, he went on like a seven-game point streak. Right. He just had that point streak, but like a lot of those plays – Matt, you were the one that said points equals good, so of course you would say that. Um, (laughs) but a lot of those plays, okay. On the power play. Yeah, sure. He's great. He's got great hands, great vision. He's like very smart with his shooting ability and has a very good shot too. You know, he doesn't use it that much, but we know how good it is. Yeah. But he just seems off at times lately, man. Like losing the puck, like little things like that, that he normally is so sure handed and just so his puck control is just fantastic. It just seems like there's times where he like, you know, tries to make one of his like little spinning passes to Aho cutting through the middle and it just rolls off his blade and they end up getting hemmed in. I think he had a turnover for a bad goal against recently too. I could be wrong. It's I possible. Know. I haven't, I haven't watched the past two games. I'm going to be honest. Um, yeah. And he's, he's still a great player and he's helps the team, but I, I don't think we've seen his best level lately. I know we haven't seen Aho's best level lately, even though he also had a big point streak. Again, a lot of that was coming on the power play. I just, I don't know. The team's in a weird rut right now. And we talk about the ebbs and flows of the season. This is something I wrote about literally last week after the Hurricanes had a big offensive explosion. They've kind of gone back the other way already, which happens. But again, I just feel like at this point in the season, it does get a little bit nerve wracking because you kind of want to be gearing up and rounding into form for the playoffs. But I'm going to withhold judgment on that for now. There's still 10 games left and even if they don't have like the greatest finish, I, I'm pretty confident this team knows how to turn it on for the playoffs. We've seen it the last couple of years and, you know, I, I would pretty much throw most stuff out of the window at this point. Once the playoffs start. Yeah. I do. I do want to eventually like when the playoffs happen, I want to go through like that episode and do like a playoff, not only a playoff preview, but like, grades from the regular season right because like i'm curious to hear not only what we think obviously like but what our listeners think about certain players because i can already tell you right now that i'm not happy with some of the efforts that are going on with the team this year yep but it is what it is you just move on you've got buffalo at home tomorrow thursday and yeah yeah i think we'll see a little bit more of a spirited effort tomorrow night against buffalo i might start to get a little bit worried if they come out as flat again to be honest with you but i i don't expect that i, I think rod will have them ready and, and we'll see these guys try to kind of prove a point yeah your next three games are against teams currently out of the playoffs you like You've that, got the sabers but... the islanders and the ducks all at home yeah. Those are all winnable games. You would you would like to get six points right there. Like Yeah. I'd be okay with dropping one of those games, but ideally, like you said, six points would be the best. Yeah. Cause then you've got 
you go up to and this this is so annoying to me because my birthday is april 12th and the hurricanes have a three-game homestand right before and then they go on the road for one game on my birthday in new york and then the next game that thursday is at home no dude like, like literally every single year my birthday is march 19th the hurricanes never play on that day like ever well Usually they for me, three I'm, and I'm four used to, right around it. Yeah, but the one day off this year was my birthday. Well, it's funny because you know usually my my birthday falls on like the first week of the playoffs, but for the longest time that wasn't happening here. <laughs> right. But this year, it's like the NHL schedule maker saw it was my birthday and just decided to give me a giant double th- um, double middle finger. <laughs> Just so, make sure uh, we know how you we feel about you right here, buddy. Right, exactly. Right here. So. <laughs> All right, so let's look ahead a little bit and talk about the potential playoff matchups. Um, I, there's still 12, 13, 11 games left in the season, depending on the team. So it's not cut and dry. But the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference is, other than seeding, it's, yeah. I, I tweeted about this the other day, it's is very, very obvious what teams are going to get in and what teams are not. Um, the closest team to a wild card spot right now is 11 points. It's the New York Islanders. <laughs> That's probably not going to happen in 11 ish games. Uh, they actually yeah, have 14 left, but still, um, <clears throat> so the hurricanes, we know about their race right now. And, and it, I mean, even for them, it's theoretically possible that they finish in the three seed in the Metro. I find it very, very unlikely that both Pittsburgh and New York would come back and overtake them, but I, it's within the realm of possibility. But anyway, Long story short, for all intents and purposes, you got five teams they could, within reason, see in the first round of the NHL playoffs. Um, Those five teams are the Washington Capitals, the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now Toronto right now, they've been playing some very good hockey, as Matt actually pointed out to me a minute ago. Um, And they are currently the two seed in the Atlantic, but they only have a three-point lead over both Boston and the um, Tampa Bay Lightning. So it is within reason that they could hit a little bit of a slide and both those teams are sure to keep winning. So it's possible that they could end up as the first wild card slot. And if the hurricanes win their division, they're probably not catching Florida at this point for the top spot overall in the Eastern conference. That would mean they play the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. Um, I don't know. They might be the team I least like to see. And I know that sounds crazy because it's like Toronto and they're not, they're never going to make the second round, but they man, that team has been good lately. Austin Matthews is probably the second best player on the planet. There's just a lot of talent. And, and, and that's one of my biggest concerns for the Hurricanes in the playoffs is if they go up against a team like them or Florida, I just don't know if they're going to be able to score enough goals. I really don't. So I think that either them or Tampa, I, I could listen to an argument either way, but those two are probably the least favorable matchups in my opinion. Yeah, I think you've done better against Tampa and Boston this season than you have against Toronto and Washington. Yeah. Now, Washington doesn't concern me. I think in a seven-game series, the Hurricanes are going to come out on top. I know they've had their issues this year, but a lot of those games were like the end of a three and four or just games they on national television where they just shit the bed. Um, <laughs> For me, I, I think with the amount of penalties the Canes take. That, that's a good point. Washington is the team that I'm the most Washington and Toronto are the two teams. I do not want to face no matter what, 
those teams, yeah, Washington's power play was like 20th in the league at one point this season, but they still have Alex Ovechkin, who is going to score against the Hurricanes no matter what. Right. So, yeah, and I will say in the Metro division, Washington is the scariest opponent. I'm not worried about Pittsburgh. I definitely am not worried about the Rangers, even though a hot goalie in the playoffs is highly concerning. Um, I don't think either of those teams take down the Hurricanes in a seven game series. Washington, I still think the Hurricanes win, but I do think they gave them the big the, or give them the biggest fight and have the best chance of knocking them off. Yeah, I think that teams no longer underestimate the hurricanes like Washington did right in the first round of 2019. So I would rather Boston's a team that you've beaten a lot this year. Their goaltending is a very big question mark, which it hasn't been in the past. Right. And I don't know, man, the team's just good. Yeah. I think the Canes, the Canes match up better against Boston than they have in the past. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree. I think that's probably the best possible matchup for the Hurricanes would be the Boston Bruins. Um, and the Boston, they they did shore up their blue line at the trade deadline with Hampus Lindholm and somebody I'm forgetting. Who else did they get? They added a lot of players that aren't very good other than Lindholm. Oh, okay. Well, Lindholm and got some other guys too. Whatever. Depth. Um, so they improved their team and they've been playing pretty well since then, if I'm not mistaken. But I do not think it was enough to overcome the pretty obvious talent discrepancy when we saw those two teams play um, for the first time since the Hurricanes started making the playoffs again. I think they're just a much better team, like through and through. Um, yeah. So yeah, they that's, added probably, Josh that's probably your Brown. best case scenario. Jo- okay. I don't know why the hell he was even coming to mind then, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty easy call that that would be your best. Uh, first round matchup so looking past that a little bit and we again we won't know what the seeding is um or who they're going to play who they would play in the second round but what's the team that you'd want to play second most (laughs) if it's not boston who do you want of the four you listed yeah i wouldn't hate tampa Really? Okay, see, that's what I figured you were going to say, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up. I don't. I I am so confused on what to think about Tampa Bay this year. Like I, I think with Nick Paul and oh Hurricanes God, Killer, the, apparently. Right. Uh, who's the other guy they they got? Brandon um, Hagel. The, they got Hagel, and they added some other player too. I want to say. It was okay, they else. added Riley Nash. Riley Nash, yep. Um, which, yeah, and they actually added uh, Alexi Melnichuk uh, as like a third or fourth goalie. Okay, <laughs> who was pretty good in the KHL, so depth. But even with Tampa's additions, I still think the Canes can beat them. No, I, think- I definitely do too. Um, but I, I'm so confused on what to think about Tampa Bay this year, just in general, like they're still a lethal team with a great goaltender. Right. And that's, and that's like where I'm at. It's like, I feel like they've almost kind of been written off by some people and maybe that's just because like, Oh, nobody's going to win it three years in a row, which is a dumb way of thinking. Um, 
And that's why it's interesting to me, to me that that's your second most favorable matchup for the Hurricanes and not maybe Toronto. Because <laughs> you get up against Andre Vasilevsky in a playoff series, you're going to have a hard time scoring goals. And I don't think their defense is quite as good as it has been in years past. Like, I just – Chernak's still pretty good, and obviously they still got Hedman, Sergachev. they got some really big-time players back there. But the Hurricanes got lots and lots of looks in them pretty much all season long. And Vasilevsky stood on his head in all those games, and the Hurricanes still ended up winning. Now, going into the playoffs against them, well, it all comes down to health form, doesn't it? You know, if you think – obviously, Kucherov's actually been healthy this year, which is a change. Um, you got Stamkos, who for right now is healthy. You got all these guys that – if this is, like, my biggest concern, which I already established it is for the Hurricanes, scoring enough goals against a team like that, don't you think that's a pretty bad matchup for them? It depends. I think Tampa is worse than they were last year, even with the additions of Hagel and Perry, who they added in the offseason. Right. And, I mean, they uh, lost Paul. Coleman. They lost uh, Tyler Johnson. Like, pretty big time players there. They lost, too. Yeah, they've lost a handful of really good players. I think, in my opinion, that the Hurricanes have played really well against the lightning this year. I, I don't know, man. I just think that this is a team that the Canes could beat. It's just Vasilevsky. He's he and Hedman, in my opinion, are the two biggest X factors. You can shut down Kucherov. Yeah. The Hurricanes have done, done yeah. it actually largely, especially this year. I feel like Kucherov just hasn't done much. Um, I don't know. I, I guess you're right. And, and, Obviously, the Hurricanes can beat anybody in the East. You like to yeah. say that anyway. I don't know if they can beat Florida. I'm just going to be straight up and say that right now. That team's a fucking unit. Like, and, and again, this goes back to the scoring thing. Florida is going to score. I don't care if you have Freddie Anderson and Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci and all these really, really good defensemen and a really good goalie. That team just comes at you. They got the best third line in hockey. They're, they got Alexander Barkov on the top line. And, like, I mean, there's just so many weapons on that team for 60 minutes. Like, Slavin's not going to be out there for 60 minutes. Slavin slash Shea and Pesci aren't going to be out there for 60 minutes. They're going to get favorable matchups, and they're going to take advantage. Yeah. And we saw that during the regular season when the Hurricanes got swept by them. And no. I know the way they tend to go back to is, well, they got swept by the Washington Capitals in 2019 or 2019. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and they got swept by the New York Rangers in 2020. And what happened in the playoffs with both? I know. This Florida Panthers team is a little bit of a different animal to me than those two squads were. Even that Capitals team that was coming off a of Stanley Cup. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I think Florida is going to be a tough, tough out regardless, but. Is, he, is uh, Ekblad still hurt? Yeah, Ekblad, I think he should be back in, at some point in the playoffs is what I last read, I believe. If he misses the first couple of games in the playoffs, though, that's a big deal because Florida's defense is still really good. But they are noticeably worse without Ekblad on the roster. Let's let's take a look real quick at Florida's current. body injury? Yeah, he's out the rest of the regular season. He's on injured reserve. Yeah, so you've got Brandon Montour, Mackenzie Wegar, 
Gustav Forsling, who like all of a sudden is a good hockey player. See, that's the thing is all those guys have been turned into really good players down there. Yeah. Montour has actually but, been pretty good for a while now. Forsling was turned into really good down there and Uyghur has become a very, very good defenseman. Yeah. I'm that I'm, I'm agreeing with you there, but then you've got Radko Gudas, Ben Sherratt and Robert Hag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without Ekblad, it's, it's a noticeably worse defense and one that lacks defense. Right. We, I, I'd argue that Uyghur, Forsling, and Montour are all more offensive-leaning defensemen. Ben Sherratt just sucks. I don't really know a ton about Robert Hag and Ride Kogudas will hit people and that's about it because, you know. Yeah. So if Ekblad's out, that's a, that's a pretty big loss. I still think Florida's a good enough team offensively to make up for that. Like, they're going to outscore their opponents. Yeah, and Bobrovsky's still really good. But you also have to think next season. He's really good again, I should say. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, Florida doesn't have many assets, and their prospect pool is average at best, in my opinion. See, this is what I'm kind of talking about with the Atlanta Braves right now. Their farm system has gotten kind of scuffed with the Matt Olsen trade and a few other things, but their team is really good and pretty young. Like, yeah. pretty much all their big pieces. So, really not that the big. The big thing is you've got Barkov getting a $4.1 million raise next year. So, that's going to cause issues for him. I don't know where they're at in the cap right now anyway, but – they yeah, have a some of those they don't have a ton of cap space. at some point and at that point what do you do the the thing is though a lot of the players on their team are pretty i mean they've got Giroux as a UFA Noel Achari that's really about it Etulusterinen's due for a decent pay raise from his ELC he's going to get some money but then then you've got on defense is just Ben Chirot and Robert Hag that's it so that's a team that'll be fine. Uh, oh, and Marcus Nudavara, but I don't know what they do with him either. Yeah. It's just, you know, the the Panthers are going to have to find a way to stay good because their prospect pool was depleted at this deadline. So, yeah. they're still in good I don't know. To do it. And I think they're in as good a position as anybody maybe outside of Colorado to win the Stanley Cup in 2022. Um, and I mean, I don't think it's, really up for much debate that that's the biggest threat to come out of the east uh to the hurricanes um that and themselves yeah <laughs> all right before we jump into anything else tracking the storm is a proud part of the hockey podcast network so we're going to take a minute and get a quick word from DraftKings. two titles are up for grabs on the stacked ufc 273 fight card Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $5 on UFC 273, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and up, restrictions apply. See the show notes on wherever you listen to our podcast for important details. 
Brandon, it's been a fun time on the farm system lately. No doubt about that. The, Didn't the, Jack Drury just have a five-point game, by the way? Uh, I think they lowered it to four. They took away a point? Why do they keep taking four. away points? First it was Max Domi. Now you're doing it to Jack Drury, too? Yeah, let me, let me. I hate it here. Let me. I know. That's what I'm saying. Let me confirm real quick because I know they – People were saying it was four, but by my count, it was five. Um, yeah, one goal, three assists. That's, um, dude, Andrew Podorowski has 85 points. <laughs> I know. He's on pace for 96. Jesus. Actually, I a little think, less I say than he that. Gets it, if not more. <laughs> a little less than that because he missed today's game. Uh, yeah. So that hasn't updated yet. Um, but yeah, Drury has been great. He has 45 points now in 56 games. And I don't know if that includes, yes, it does include today's game which, where he had a uh, assist. So really I'm showing his 18 goals and 28 assists on hockey DB. Uh, elite prospects says 45 points. And when that boy says then. Yeah. Um, regardless though, Drury has been great. Jamison Reese has been really good lately. We talked about him last week. We've talked about Peter Kochikov since he came to the AHL, let's be honest. But um, today was the debut of two, uh, both of the Canes, uh, 2020 second round picks, actually, and Vasily Ponomaryov and uh, Noel Gundler, and both players had really good games. Yeah, um, I, uh, I saw the um primary assist that Panamara have had to Dave Gust in the first period, like probably the second shift of the game. It was, yep. Was that an intentional pass? Yeah. That was a very, very good play then. Because for a second and, and the, the gif I was watching of the replay it was kind of um framey, you know, it was kind of bouncing around a little bit almost like it was laggy almost. I, I don't know how I don't know how you put it, but it was kind of hard to tell exactly. But he was fighting through traffic, got to the front of the net, and was still able to make that slick little pass to the back door to Gus for the finish. I like that a lot. Um, and I think that shows a lot of what makes him such an intriguing prospect because of his battle level, the way he's – he's not a tall guy, but he's very, very thick looking on his skates. Like, he looks <laughs> solid to me. Um, yeah, he's a small beer fridge built like a large beer fridge, remember? <laughs> God, that was such a stupid ass comparison, man. <laughs> Hockey media, when like as soon as I heard the those words come out of their mouths, like <laughs> I wish you could see how far my eyes rolled into the back of my head. Because like he's a good player. He's in my opinion, and other people have been saying this too. Panamaryov plays exactly like Jack Drury does. Right. Yeah, they're very, very similar players. And two players that fit so, so well into the system. Gundler um, had a bit of a slow start because, I mean, this is his first game in North America, whereas Ponomarov spent two years in the queue. Um, Gundler's second period was really good, though. I thought he made a lot of good, um, good things happen with the puck on his stick. He was strong along the boards, and... Uh, had a couple scoring chances. And I mean, he had a couple in the first two, but the ones in the second period were orchestrated through him as opposed to somebody making a pass to him. Whereas 
the second period, he was the guy setting those plays up. It was really nice. Yeah. We've talked a lot about like his offensive ability. And again, I think that's something we talked about last week was that his passing ability is probably just almost as good as his finishing ability anyway. Um, and shooting ability. And I mean, that release is still one of the best in the hurricane system without question. But when I watched a lot of his, you know, old tape and stuff, I, I really liked the way he was able to make plays like in dirty areas. I, I like the Panamara goal. Like, he even though he's a sniper he doesn't like get puck focused or uh, net focused you know he still makes the right play pretty much all the time and I saw him make a bunch of really nice assists where he commanded so much attention from the defense that it ended up leaving somebody open and again he doesn't get focused on the net or trying to finish he makes those plays and skilled ones at that you know sauces to the back door through a guy and stuff like that so I'm really excited to see what he does down the stretch for Chicago. I still think he has top six upside in the NHL. Um, really excited that we got both these guys over and they're going to get to watch them down the stretch. Yep. Help the team on a playoff push too. Yeah. And with uh Carpot losing today, um, it's very possible that Tuka Tiaxala could come over. I don't know if he plays. Um, I mean, given how many injuries the Wolves had, I mean, there's a good chance, but right. Well, and that was another thing I was going to ask is when these guys start to get healthy, what the hell are they going to do? Because <laughs> I feel like they've signed a lot of players lately, and some of them are on ATO. So, unfortunately, those are kind of the first guys to go. But is there playing time for all these guys? You know, Panamarev, Reese. Um... There's playing time for Reese. The The prospects that I'm the most worried about right now are Stelio Mateos and Ryan Suzuki. Okay. Um, I, I think Ivan Ladnia comes out of the lineup before either of those two guys. Um, but I, I, it's, it's hard to say because they have a lot of players. <laughs> the wolves are a team that's going to play their veterans. Yeah. And I mean, they're also, in my opinion, the wolves are one of the best teams in the AHL at evaluating talent. Yeah, they signed a guy from. Uh, he was playing with Quinnipiac this season. Uh, Griffin Mendel, a defenseman. He had a great a game today. Game, right. He yeah. he was on the ice for the first goal and maybe one of the other goal or maybe the other goal. Didn't he have an assist? I think he got a helper. He had a secondary assist, but that one was all Jesper Selgren. Oh, okay. Um, it was. It's still cool seeing him get his first point, but it's like I loved. He got involved in the rush. He was playing well defensively. He was playing good. He was playing well along the boards. It's just one of those players that, again, if somebody goes down in the playoffs, you know you have a player that can immediately step in and not look out of place. Right. Like You're not having to rely on, no offense to Kyle Marino, but a Kyle Marino whose one sole job is to be a face puncher. When you get Josh Levo back, I do think – I can't – if I'm the Wolves, I'm keeping Ponomaryov in there the whole time. Yeah. he's He plays an AHL game. I think Goonler still needs a little bit of time um, to adjust to the AHL before I can make a um, – before I can speculate. Yeah, evaluation because, I mean, this is a very different style of play because the SHL is not very skill-based. It's very defensive-based and, like, I feel like Gundler could thrive over here because he has so much individual skill and can right. utilize his teammates. Yeah. Um, 
and he played more defense today than I had ever seen Dominic Bach play. So uh, <laughs> that was that was refreshing. Off to a great start there, yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I think I think the Wolves are in a really good place. Um, you've got a solid rotation of three goalies. Dude, um, that team, they're going to make it for the <laughs> – all right, I don't know how far the Hurricanes are going to make, but let's put it this way. If I had to put money on one of them two going deep, it's the Wolves to me. I'm just saying. Why not both? Yeah, sure, sure, both. I, I agree, and I think the Hurricanes could. I, I didn't mean to say I don't think they're going to. Oh, no. There's some teams that really scare me in the East, and it's such a meat grinder that that's like the biggest issue really more than how good the team itself is. But the Wolves, man, they're just a freaking unit at the AHL level, and I – see them rolling over just about anybody down there granted i don't watch that much and i know like abbotsford is really good i believe or stockton now stockton heat right yeah yeah it used to be abbotsford uh stockton now but yeah the know. abbotsford canucks are now a thing okay well yeah that's not who i was talking about <laughs> no i was talking about the flames affiliate who is a very very good team yes well i think the wolves are a very good team and i think they're only going to get better if guys like TXLA come over. We're still waiting to see if, you know, maybe somebody like Passion or uh, Honka comes over. And I, I don't know. I just think that this, this Wolves team is great. The Canes are excellent. And, you know, it's just fun right now. I know the Canes might be playing poorly by some people's standards, but I think most of their losses lately have still been good efforts other than the um, Sabres game. Yep. Well, folks, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. We've got a pretty exciting little stretch of games coming up here with the Canes playing four games actually between now when we're recording this and, uh, when we'll be recording next. So should be a lot of fun. This homestand is going to be exciting. And I mean, Hey, let's be honest guys, regardless of that game last night, it's still a great time to be a Carolina hurricanes fan. 